Coming up on this week's show, we talk to the author of the Skylar Fox Mysteries, Haley Walsh, and her audiobook narrator, Joel Leslie. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode number 74 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaus.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. We are off away vacationing. Indeed. In sunny, well, hopefully sunny Florida. Yeah, hopefully sunny Florida. Uh, because... <laughs> We appreciate, love, and value you, our our listeners. Uh, we're giving you brand new content this week, even though we are off, off on vacation. We are currently in Florida, as I mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, we took part in the Dream Spinner Press um, Authors Workshop. And when this episode goes live, we will be experiencing the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Yay! So... Uh, when we get back next week, we'll fill you in on all the deets. Yes. I really like that you're into going to Harry Potter land, since you have never read the books, and you've never really seen the movies. I think maybe you saw the first movie. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and so, I appreciate that you will go to Harry Potter land with me. Yes. Um, the last time we went, Harry Potter was only halfway done, uh, so we're going to be... Uh, at Universal uh, to experience the whole shebang, I guess. Yeah, we'll see the Gringotts side, and we'll see the, the the train and all that awesomeness. Yeah, and maybe go do the castle again too. Go that, back to Hogwarts. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. So we forgot to mention in last week's episode that we survived the 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 effort to get registered for GRL, which is always you know one of the big things that happens uh, this time of year. So we are both going. Uh, Will is registered as a reader. I will be there as a featured author. Um, looking forward to it. I've never been to Denver, really, for anything other than to pass through the airport. <laughs> we have passed through the Denver airport a couple of times, so it'll be nice to, you know, perhaps to actually experience, well, yeah. When it comes to these sorts of things, you don't usually get to experience much of the Host city, you're usually hanging out at the hotel most of the time. But, True. Uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure Denver has very nice hotels. No doubt. <laughs> and, of course, you know, Brandon Witt will be there, and he'll be able to tell us what to do, where to go, what to see. Uh, exactly. Uh, since he is the local Denver writer representative. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, we hoped this year to um, also... Uh, uh, host several authors through the podcast. We'll be ironing out the details of that in yes. the coming months. Also, um, I'm going to be getting to participate in certain uh, events uh, at GRL. As a moderator. Uh, we'll be ironing out the details yeah. of that uh, as well in the coming weeks. And we will uh, give you more information when we know more about that. Looking forward to that. Okay. And we hope all of you, if you registered and wanted to go, that you, you were able to get in there and get your registration and look forward to seeing folks in Denver. Yeah. Please say hi. Stop yeah. by and say hi if, if you see us in, in October. Yeah. 
that absolutely. Cool. And we'll <laughs> we're we're gonna try and talk about it slightly less this year than we did last year. Uh, but we'll <laughs> you'll you'll know GRL is coming if you listen to this show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, moving on. Shall we talk about patrons? We shall. Yes. Now, as you know, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through patreon.com. And for less than the price of a coffee a month, your pledge helps pay the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. We'll be shooting our March bonus episode when we return from our little mini vacation. Patrons can ask us questions to answer uh, in that special episode. Please get those in by March 11th. Also, you can check patreon.com for the latest list of our upcoming guests, and you can ask questions of them as well. Now, to get all the details on becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast.com. On all of our supporters, will be listed on our very special patrons page at our home website, biggayfictionpodcast.com. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Now, we don't know about you, but we certainly love sports competition shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sports. We couldn't care less about sports. Sports competition no, shows. No, that's not completely true. No, it's 100%. You care. You don't care about comp- about sports. I do care about some sports. <laughs> so if if you're into things like um, like Ninja Warrior or uh, or shows of... Spartan Race. Yeah. Tough Mudder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of sports reality programming. You'll definitely want to check out a new show on Netflix called Ultimate Beastmaster. Um, it's a really, it's really wacky. <laughs> Let me try and describe <laughs> it. it. Is. Um, it's, uh, s- several teams from several different countries, uh, undertake the physical challenge of running a gauntlet of obstacles, which are all encased in this giant beast sculpture. Uh, hence, you know, ultimate Beastmaster. Uh, there are two or th- there are three different, I'm sorry, three different, uh, rounds of competition. Uh, and they, uh, just, they're crazy. They're really, they're really crazy. It's part Ninja Warrior. Uh, it also reminds me, some of the obstacles remind me of Spartan racing and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, as the, the competitors, um, attempt each of the obstacles, they get certain points, and uh, essentially the person, uh, the last one standing with the most points, uh, is going to move on to the finale episode, where all of the winners from the previous episodes uh, come together for one big smackdown. Yeah, it was, it was nuts, and <laughs> I think the the Ninja Warrior plus like Spartan. Is a pretty accurate description of it. Yeah, uh, and it, it's unique because the the six countries are all doing the commentating at the same time. So while the U.S. commentators are doing their thing, occasionally they'll check in with the reactions to the commentators from the other countries. 
Uh, and we even discovered on Netflix the Mexico version of it where the Mexico commentators have the lead role. Uh, because for some reason, I guess that's for the Spanish audience of Netflix US mm-hmm. to watch. So it was completely enthralling. Um, I think there's 10 episodes out there. And Sylvester Stallone introduces, because I think he's an executive producer of it. And it's just, it's a little bonkers. And I think we'll be back watching these people run around inside the, the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Ultimate Beastmaster available now on Netflix. Uh, recently, you finished a new book. I did. Uh, this is a little outside our normal genre, although it's not straight straight romance like we did a few weeks ago. Uh, this is a YA thriller, uh, which I've been reading a few of those along the way since I'm trying to write YA thrillers myself now with the Codename Winger series. Uh, Igor Max uh, tracks me down and offered me up his book, Awakenings, which is book one of the Mind Agents theories. This book... Uh, just hit uh, the shelves last week, and I very much enjoyed it. It's got these four kids who've all been plucked from various parts of society because they scored just so on an IQ test. Uh, they all have mental abilities, which give them... They each have different mental abilities. One can go in and extract information from a mind. Uh, one can move objects. One can uh, cause... Uh, people right around her to disappear from the view of other people by kind of hiding these people from her, from minds. Uh, I really enjoyed the book. He's got a very interesting premise here that these are becoming these kids are becoming agents of the government to deal with mind terrorism. And I look forward to seeing what he does with the next book, which actually should be out in March. Ooh, so cool. check out Igor Max's Awakenings if you want kind of a fun YA thriller to look at. Awesome. Indeed, yes, awesome. <laughs> um, got to sit down recently with Haley Walsh and Joel Leslie. Haley is the author of the Scholar Fox Mysteries, uh, which I have listened to one of them and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Joel Leslie is the narrator for the Scholar Fox series. Uh, this was a tremendously fun interview because you know we've interviewed authors who've had audiobooks done, and we've mm-hmm. talked to voice artists about the work they do, and in this case, we got them both at the same time to not only hear about Haley tell us about the books, but found out how she and Joel came together to work on the books, how he became her narrator for the books, what the different things are that they have to consider while they're doing the books. It was a, it's a great, fun interview, and uh, we think you'll enjoy it. So I'm happy today to welcome two people to the podcast. We've got Haley Walsh, who is the author of the Scholar Fox Mystery Series, along with Joel Leslie, who provides the audio performance on the audiobooks for that series. Welcome, both of you. Hi. So I wanted to let you guys kind of introduce yourselves uh, a little bit more to the audience. So Haley, we'll start with you for that. Okay, well, um, mine are a humble people of farmland. and no, no. I'm actually from Los Angeles. I'm a city girl, and uh, I've always been a creative type. So I wrote stories based on my crayon drawings. I still do that. But um, so ever since I could really pick up a crayon, I was writing stories. But I never, never, never thought of that as a career. In fact, I started as uh, on the theater track. I was going to be an actress. Okay. I did that all through high school, and I started doing that in college. And then I went to real-world auditions. And I said, I am not doing this the rest of my life. So 
what to do from there. Well, all that time I was designing posters and programs for all the productions that we ever did. And I realized that people actually make a living doing that. So I switched to art, became a graphic artist, and I did that in Los Angeles for some 15 or so years. And uh, during all this time, I'm writing stories. I wrote my first novel when I was 16, and I just kept this to myself. It was just a hobby. It was something I just did. And, um, and then I sort of semi-retired from graphic design to have a baby. And I thought, well, okay, after two years, I raised the kid. I could start doing the graphic stuff at home. By that time, the entire industry had turned to, to computers. So I did not. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it at that time. So this is how old I am. Um, so I thought, oh my God, what else can I do for a living? What, I, what will I be able to do? And I thought, well, I want to work at home, raise my kid. So maybe this is the time to become a novelist. Maybe this is the time to try and get published. So I, I went to my husband and I said, you know, this is what I want to do. I think I want to become a novelist. Uh, what do you think? He said, I think it's great. I'll I'll support you in every in every in any of your decisions. But um, do you write novels? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I got a whole box of them here. Yeah, I do that all the time. So that started the whole career, and um, and and it's been working out real well. So I finally I'm making a living at it right now, which is unheard of. So. Yeah, yeah. It's always great to hear about uh, any kind of creator. Who, content creator who can actually <laughs> do it, yeah. make a, make a living at it, yeah. And, and by the way, this is the last creative thing I know how to do, so this better work. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joel, what's your backstory? Um, I uh, grew up in Bermuda, of all places, which is a British colony. Um, and uh, yes, the Triangle, um, and. Uh, I can explain all about the Bermuda Triangle one of these days, but I need next time I see you, I need to I need to make a diagram though. It involves it involves visual aids. Okay. Uh, but um, so I, I I ended up growing up there. My parents are American, but I ended up growing up in this British colon, Commonwealth and um, going to a British school with teachers from all over the UK. Um, and my best friend was Scottish, and uh, so I grew up around all these different sounds. Um, and if my parents weren't American, I basically would have probably spoken with a British accent all the time. So I ended up as this kind of weird mutt hearing all these sounds. And then um, went to USC for performance. Um, and while I was there, kind of discovered that I had a gift for dialects and accents and sort of focused on that. My intention, I mean, my, my primary career goal was, was quickly to become a director, um, a stage director. But I really had this huge passion for for speech and um, and oddly enough, uh, dramatized uh, literary works. Um, and in fact, the thing that made me fall in love with theater was the the RSC dramatized version of Nicholas Nickleby. Um, and uh, and so I did that. I did that in college. Then I I did my master's in directing, and then I went to London um, for. Uh, to apprentice and and worked as a director there and did things like assistant directed um, delicate balance with Maggie Smith and Eileen Atkins and did a bunch of cool stuff and then ended up moving to New York um, where I met my partner Rich who you've met mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. we wanted to start a theater company um, 
so we found this hundred year old building in the middle of uh, Indiana. I had never even been to Indiana. We found this hundred year old vaudeville house and we moved there. And over the past 10 years, we sort of um, renovated it and turned it into a full size working theater, professional theater company, um, which is great, except for the fact that it's in Indiana um, and in the middle of kind of nowhere in Indiana. And it's it's been very tricky as the in the past eight years as the socioeconomic climate has changed and the political climate has changed um it became really difficult to get something like this to grab hold no matter how proud we were of the work we were doing and the reviews that we were getting and the you know and all that just actually getting bums on the seats was very difficult and um I was also, I'm also a, a professor and I was, I was teaching, um, university here. I was running the drama department for a while here. Um, and then, so through a whole series of events, we decided to sort of try something else. And at the same time, um, a friend of mine, uh, who, uh, a female who's very successful at audiobooks, said to me, you know, you should try this. Because one of the things I did when we ran the theater company was I would do like these little one man show versions of of famous books. Um, I would I did Dracula and Sleepy Hollow and uh, Treasure Island and um, and she said you should try this and I was like okay and I did and it has been you know I've always been a huge fan of audiobooks I've always been very loved them. Um, and really inspired by them. And the fact that it suddenly has turned into something that I do full time for a living is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And weirdly, I think the first book that I ever auditioned for was the first Skylar Fox book. Mm -hmm. um, and, and from there, eight books later, and 90, 90 titles later, um, it's turned into a full time gig that I love. It's fantastic. Awesome. So awesome. that's a good story. Thank you. So Haley with Skylar, what was the initial inspiration behind the Skylar Fox mysteries and kind of give us an overall view of what the series is for those people who may not have picked up one yet. Well, the Skylar Fox mysteries is, um, what was, what was somebody, somebody said something about that on uh, the audiobook that it's Neil Patrick Harris meets Stephanie Plum or something. So it's a, it's, it's a comedy mystery series, uh, kind of romantic and, and, but mostly comedy, uh, lighthearted, uh, where it kind of started from was I also write a medieval mystery series. It's kind of my bread and butter series. And, um, I started with that first published with that. And it's just so dense with prose and heavy on the research that I I just needed another series so I could just relax. <laughs> I wanted something that was light and fun and funny and contemporary. Not that I don't do research, but it's not as heavy as what I do for something medieval, obviously. So um, I also worked with teens at the time. That's one of my part-time jobs. And I realized there is a lot of drama there. <laughs> so uh, it, it just sort of began to form in my mind about a teacher who was an amateur sleuth. So that sort of puts it in a kind of cozy category. 
um, and and the comedy, just bringing that out. So when I write a mystery, I like to have a lot of different elements going on in the story. I like to have interesting characters. I like to have little side things going on, a little romance, a little of this, a little that. Because for those smarty pants people who solve the crime right away, they got to have something else to read while they're going through the book. So I like to have all these different things going on. And I think it makes it more interesting and more fun and, and maybe a little more realistic. I don't know. I mean, you have to have a lot of um, faith. You got you got a lot of disbelief. You got to just let it go when you're reading an amateur sleuth. Because I don't know about you, but if I found a body, first I'd scream, then I'd call 911, and that would be the last I want to know about it. Because, you know, but not an amateur sleuth. They have some reason that they want to, you know. So you have to suspend your disbelief on that. Yeah, and, uh, and so much seems to happen in Skylar's little neck of the woods, too. Yeah, that's... But, ironically, no spoilers, but the thing that uh, goes to the whole story arc of the first three books really happened at my son's high school. So, <laughs> so truth is stranger than fiction, as we are living now. Mm. Um, but, uh, so that's, uh, you never know where you're going to find stuff like that. And actually, I'm always trolling newspapers for different murder ideas anyway. Mm-hmm. As one does. And of course, you brought Skylar to audio in 2015 after there were already a few books out. What led you to that choice? And then how did you, how did you two make the connection to start working together? Well, I really wanted audio because I, I just wanted accessible to as many people as possible. Um, the Skylar books are bought in a lot of foreign countries. They're all still in English, but... They're bought in all kinds of places, and audio seemed more accessible to a lot of people. Plus, I really wanted to hear the characters. So um, so that was sort of a, a push for me. And uh, there, uh, Amazon has a self-publishing arm for, for audio. Um, it's sold through Audible, and it's, it's called ACX, and you find uh, your narrators there. You can hire them outright or you can share it's match.com it's match.com for audiobooks it really it is. is it is we are we, we totally <laughs> we totally have to like each other and, and you know exchange pictures no uh we um you you basically hear uh a diff- lots of different auditions from from narrators you you go you know plug in all the different things about your book. You want a male narrator. He has to be about this age. He wants to be able to do accents or you know whatever. You plug that stuff in, and a bunch of names come up, and you start listening to the guys. Now, he wasn't the original narrator for the series. I I picked this this other guy, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I kept telling him. I kept saying, you know, there are some fairly detailed graphic sex scenes in this. Are you okay with that? Sure, sure he is. So he was doing the narration for a while and suddenly one day he just flaked away. I never heard from him again. And so I had to start the process all over again. Heard Joel's voice and said, oh my God, that's Skylar. Please accept it, please accept it, please accept it. <laughs> but you said, you said the reason you liked me you particularly liked my audition was the fact that I didn't, that I made Jamie believable. 
Yeah, yeah. Apparently a lot of people, Jamie is this character in the books that's very flamboyant and he's very kind of over the top and fun. Um, But apparently you said a lot of people had made him, a lot of the male narrators had basically made him too... Stereotypically way over the top. Yeah, and too... Insultingly so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... And so apparently I rang true with Jamie and, and the rest is history. But um, He is the voice of Skylar because when he called my house, and I didn't tell my husband he was calling or really much about this. He knew that there was an audiobook. But when he called, my husband picked up the phone. And he said, I heard this pause and he said, Hun, Skylar's on the phone. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that was right. <laughs> And, and for you, Joel, I mean, it, of all the things that are running around in ACX to choose to audition for, what drew you to the Scholar books? Well, um, I've always had a thing. One of my favorite genres is cozy mysteries. Um, uh, I'm crazy about M.C. Beaton's Agatha Raisin series and the Her Ham- Hamish Macbeth and the, and the Number One Ladies Detective series and those kind of books. Um, I've always loved them. and so to get a chance to do a gay spin on that was so cool. And also for him to be, um, I love the fact that he really is a role model. Like he's, you know, they say too stupid to live. I mean, he does do very dumb things. However, in terms of the way he teaches his kids, he's a, fan- he's a fantastic role model. Um, and and he goes through a really interesting journey of you know he come he he goes through a coming out process he goes through coming to terms with basically growing up and what it means to be an adult and it's it's really you know it was really really cool and and also in that in that initial audition there were like five very clear what I called the Scooby Gang his his best friends um, who sort of end up swept into the mysteries along with him but these five very distinct fun characters and i love doing um i love doing colorful you know i'm not i'm not someone that you hire for a dead read i'm not someone that goes page one the you know the mist was very blue in the sky and that's not me and some people want that some people do some people some authors get very freaked out if they hear their book narrated not the way an author would do an author reading, mm. you know? Um, and it's not how you do an author reading. That's not how I do. If you're good, <laughs> if you're good. Um, I wanted to perform, yeah. Right, but a lot of a lot of authors just want their book literally read. Yeah. Um, but these characters sort of jumped off the page and wanted to be performed, and... Um, and they were lovely. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of, I guess, hit the jackpot the first time out, which has been fantastic. He loves them. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the Scooby gang because I, I took an interesting route into the Scholar Fox books because I started, I believe it's Fox Tale that is the four holiday stories. No, it's Fox Den. Fox Den, sorry, is the four holiday stories. And I picked that one first because a and it doesn't have a mystery <laughs> from the blurb right from the blurb it seemed like i could read it standalone and it was the right time frame for the trip i was on so i could get it done 
But it was an interesting entree to these characters and to your performance because you're really dealing with the non-mystery things with Skylar and his friends. And I love the family elements, getting to see Skylar's family and all of that. So it was an interesting like entree. And now I just need to go and actually visit one of the mysteries to get that side of it too. Well, one, one thing that happened with, which one is Desert Fox? Is that book five? The five, the fifth mystery, yeah. So with Desert Fox, what suddenly happens is out of the blue, because she hates me, <laughs> she decided to make all of these ancillary characters have their own chapters and their own very serious relationship issues. So it was really, you know, it was, it was, I was lucky that I hadn't made them t- too stereotypical or whatever, you know, you know, when you, when you're an actor, you always want to find truth in however big you go, but it was a real challenge to suddenly take these, these characters that were meant to be the comic relief and give them their own focus and give them their own, you know, relationship arguments and, and bedroom problems. And so, yeah, I was ready to kill her after that one, but well, you gotta mix it up. You gotta mix it up. Also, not allowed to add. She keeps adding students to the class, and it's. Just, oh, you're I'm not like, gonna every like time, Neil. <laughs> every time she adds a damn exchange student or someone new, I'm like, really? How many straight teenage boys can I voice? Yeah. <laughs> now we should mention that there is a new audio book out that came out in middle January, "Crazy Like a Fox," which is book six. Where did what is Skylar up to in, in this book? Crazy like a box. Uh, okay, so Skylar uh, again is uh, he's got he's got a murder to solve, and, the, and where is it? It's right behind me somewhere. Uh, he has um, this is during the summer. He's a teacher, and teachers aren't teaching in the summer, so he has no job. But he usually picks up a job at the local little museum that's there. And, um, and he's doing his regular stint, and uh, two things are kind of happening at this museum. One, things seem to be missing at the museum, and the other thing is that his boss is murdered, his, his beloved boss. So he's, he's got to solve that problem. He's got to solve that, that crime, and uh, all sorts of other emotional things, as usual, are going on with the relationship. And his mother's relationship with her dad, with his dad, and um, all these other things are happening at once, as, as like I said, as usual. Um, so we we have uh, we have. Um, I don't want to give things away. Try, well, no, it's a mystery. We don't want to give away spoilers. spoilers. But uh, uh, you can be sure that the Scooby Gang is together, and there's and and there's hijinks that happen when they're trying to solve the crimes. And Skylar and Jamie um, take a defense self-defense class together, which is kind of fun. So there, there's all sorts of things going on, and it all the books are all interconnected. So you really have to read them in order because it always leads to the next thing, and and um, which I can't talk about either. But um, just suffice it to say, it's a, another fun romp of Skylar and the gang with. That's and what am I? One of my favorite things about the series is that the murders, the murders are great, 
but they are they're not what makes me excited to to see what happened to, to read each next chapter she right. charts the she charts the relationships and the growth of Skylar's relationship with Keith and and the relationships with the other characters and their relationships you know it's it it really becomes this family you care about um so and I think the fact that you care about the characters makes them getting into perilous situations matter much more to you as a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's, I would say probably out of, at some point in each one, maybe out of six out of the eight books I've done, I would say I've ended up in tears at some point while narrating it. So is that tears uh, of laughter? So much. <laughs> T- tears of laughter or tears of sadness? T- tears of, tears of, of, of sweetness. Okay. Um, there's a, there's, there's always a, some pathos, maybe. Yeah. There's there's a there's a there's a first there's a, a a first time scene in one book that for these two teenagers that is just really beautifully written. Um, there's a prom scene that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's great. And and you know we haven't talked about the fact. Well, you did sort of mention the fact that the books are also very sexy. They mm-hmm. are. Um, she writes good sex scenes. Yeah, she, she really does. does. I would agree on that because there was yeah. there was some good holiday sex going on in that book that I read <laughs> or listened to yeah. rather. Yeah, I and think ninety percent of the readers are, are are more into the relationships and the characters themselves and how they develop than the mystery. The, you know, the other ten is is big into the mystery, but uh, it it really is about the characters. I mean, that's what I like to write is is to me real people like that could walk through the door. Yeah. The other the other thing that I think really makes me happy about the series is and this is this sounds stupid, but um, with, you know, so many so many women are writing in this genre for us, um, which is fantastic. And the audience is largely women. But what tends to happen for me as a narrator, I found, is you almost always end up with versatile couples Everybody's versatile. Every single person in the world is versatile. I love the fact, this sounds dumb, I love the fact that she's written this really great hero who's a bottom. I think that's awesome. I'm proud that, of it. That doesn't happen. No, that it doesn't really doesn't. Happen, you know, where, where the lead character is, is, a, is you know, a receiver. Um, and I think that's great. I and think I it's did really that cool. on purpose because I was tired of reading that too. And I thought... No, these are not the people I know. It's great to narrate a series where I don't have to worry about trying to sound straight in order to voice a gay man, which Mm -hmm. happens to me a lot. I mean, a lot of the time I'm voicing like alpha males and it's like I'm in special ops and like they're great books. But (laughs) I love the fact that Skylar really is some gay guy that you'd be friends with and hang out and have brunch with on a Sunday. Like Mm -hmm. he's, he's not this idealized version of of anything you know he really he's such a fully rounded plausible flawed character but i love the fact that she writes tops and bottoms and that's so cool what was it like for you to to find skylar's character even going and how did it change from the from what you might have had in the audition to what's actually in the books um well this is this is slightly interesting when we we started skylar um his voice was my voice, but 
but since then, because I've become a full-time narrator and because I'm doing so much other genre of material, my pitch has actually dropped. Mm-hmm. So now, so now when I voice Skylar, I actually have to sit him higher up than my own voice. Oh. And we did, and there was book three, I think. I sent Haley the first 15 minutes and she was like, what the hell is going on? Why are you so depressed? This is <laughs> And I was sad. like, oh shit. So I had to sort of like figure out how to now play Skylar now that my own voice had changed. But, um... Keith kind of sits at the bottom of my range, and Skylar sits slightly above my own range now, and Jamie sits right at the top of my range, and he's much more colorful, and he's there, and, um, and uh, you know, the others are, it's a lot of them are based on people I know, which is really funny. Um, the lawyer character is definitely someone I know. What a coincidence. So do I. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but he's very persnickety and particular. Um, uh, my favorite thing about this person is he, he picks up potato chips with a napkin. He doesn't, he doesn't want to get, he, he, he's a little bit germaphobic and wow. he picks up, but he's just sort of, and so he's just very careful and that, and that's what I like about, you know, the way I suddenly voiced him. So yeah, no, it's 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 weird. But. And about that is now when I write them, I hear especially Philip, and, uh, and Rodolfo I, probably. And I Rodolfo, but yeah, but definitely Philip and and Skyler's mother, I hear you. I know. <laughs> and and I and now I sort of write them based on how I think you're going to make them sound when you say certain, you know, phrases and sentences. So that's their, weird. Their vocabulary actually has shifted because the first books that I did, um, Philip never said the word dude. And I voiced him as a character who would never, the way, the way I did his voice, is he was not someone who would say dude. And then all of a sudden, in like book three, she started writing dude. And I called her up and I was like, what the hell do I do with this? I wrote it before you. So, <laughs> so, so it's, it's I was going to say that was BJ, but that's not a good We shift around each other. It's quite funny now. It's interesting you just you brought that up because I, I was curious, like, what's the collaboration between the two of you now that you've been doing this for a while as a new Skylar comes up for audio? Well, it's not a collaboration when we I write the book. The book is done. However, Dave, because I never had a voice particularly in mind for Dave, and you picked sort of a Texas kind of thing, that's what he is now to me. So I will, again, use vocabulary about that. But we, the book has to be finished, be, has to be in print before Audible will accept it. So then Joel takes it away. So I what do you, tried, well, I, I do I, write the, the um, a character sketch on new characters that, yeah, I send. I, I ask her um, whenever a new whenever a new character shows up. I sort of ask her, you know, um, not as involved as I do with my with my new writers. We have a sort of a shorthand now, but I'll ask her like, if you're thinking of casting somebody famous, who would you cast? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where are they from? How old are they? That kind of stuff. Um, with my new authors, when I when I approach new material, I send them a whole very detailed character questionnaire. Um, 
I asked what, what animal are they? <laughs> what kind? I ask what, and yeah. I talk, the most useful one to me is I ask every, I ask, I ask about every character in the book, what animal would they be? And now mm. I've started listing it as if, what would their Patronus be? Because for some <laughs> reason that, that, that okay. resonates easier for some people. Yeah. But you know, if an author thinks somebody is a weasel versus an owl versus, you know, a snake or a bear, mm-hmm. that makes it very clear to me what that voice is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, that really helps me a lot. Um, so cartoon characters, wasn't that the yeah. thing you had on there? Yeah. So, so yeah, she sends me, she sends me uh, stuff about each new bunch. And then you record. Yep. How long does that take? I'm just taking over this interview. Go right oh. ahead. Uh, <laughs> it takes me to do a Skylar book usually takes me about five solid days recording about eight hours a day. Um, uh, seven hours a day. Um, because they're about 180 pages, right? They're, well, they're 300 pages, uh, the books. Um, so maybe manuscript oh, pages. Oh, 280. I'm thinking they're like 280. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost 300 pages, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So I do 50 pages a day, usually, so five days. Um, uh, and then uh, my very patient, lovely boyfriend edits them, um, which is hilarious because he hates audiobooks and now this has turned into his full-time job. Like he personally, he hates audiobooks, always has, nothing to do with me. It could be Jim Dale and Meryl Streep narrating together for him and he would hate them. Um, but he edits them and then I send it along to Haley and she listens and then sends me back notes saying 99% of the time there, you messed up this word notes. I think like maybe or left one- out a sentence or something. Yeah, very, like maybe one note in an entire book, she'll be like, can you say that more stressed out? Or I meant that to be sarcastic or, you know. Because yeah. um, I don't believe in directing the narrator because mm-hmm. everybody, it's just like a movie, an audiobook is a different animal from the written word. Everybody's a professional, let everybody do their job. You know, it's just every now and then I just got to bitch out and say, no, <laughs> but uh, I think we only in, do their job in eight books. We only went back and read. We we changed one character. I can't remember who it was, but there was one relatively minor character in a book that we that I got wrong. Mm-hmm. And you said, can we can we fix that? And I went back and just punched it in. It was just one one book and it was a couple lines. So mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Um, she doesn't like my sassy black ladies. Haley, Which, Haley you're, you're going to get one. You're going to get Haley one coming up next week. Whenever I voice a sassy black lady, she gets rather concerned. <laughs> concerned. Get, no, you're, you are going to get one. You can be as sassy as you want in this one. I, and I want it sassy. So. Good. <laughs> what kind of preparation is there for you, Joel, besides obviously like reading the manuscript, to, to get ready to go into the booth? Um... You know, I, I have a, I've had to start having a very disciplined routine because you get to the point where the weird thing about being an audiobook narrator is you really, you can't go to work sick. I mean, if, if you're, if, if something is, um, it shows and, and what you recorded yesterday isn't going to sound the same as you recorded today and that's bad. Um, so I get up and I have to, uh, I do a vocal warm up and I have to stretch and I have to do weird mouth exercises and I steam. Um, and, 
I recently discovered that I have reflux. So I've had, I'm on this, like I have to be on a reflux diet now because that affects my speech. Um, and before I figured it out, there was a series of about three months when I was releasing books and my reviews kept saying I sounded older than they thought I should. Hmm. And it's cause it was cause of the reflux. Um, so it involves a certain amount of discipline, but yeah, I record, uh, I record three days in a row and then take a break in between. And on that off day is when I do my prep. It's when I'll be reading. Um, it's when I'm reading the next book and making notes and, and, uh, you know, figuring out character voices and doing research for certain dialects if I need to and things like that. So, so it's three days on one day off and yeah, it's a routine. It requires, um, you know, I think, I think a, I, the, this is one thing that's very similar to being a writer is it requires you having your own discipline because you, you're the only one making you get your butt out of bed and doing the work. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not, um, especially if you're an indie author and, or an indie narrator as I am, you know, you, it could take me five days to record a book or it could take, you know, a month and a half, depending on if I actually do the work. So I have a pretty tight, I have a pretty specific schedule that I work on now and it seems to work. So you should go to my website because Joel was kind enough to give me a little video of him recording part. I think it was Desert Fox and it's, it's hilarious to watch. <laughs> I will link I to that in the show notes. Hilarious. It's for sure, fun. so that people little, can find it. I don't know, booth or closet or little something. Booth, little crazy, it's a little cave. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually, my where I record is underneath the balcony of the theater. So the, so the, theater, so the ceiling is slanted like this. Mm -hmm. Because you're underneath where the, the rake of the, the, the audience seating in the balcony is. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I did a video of, of me doing one section of all, all of the like seven characters talking to each other and right. people found it funny. So <laughs> I record slightly differently now back, back then in that video, I'm using what they call the click method, which is when you make a mistake, you use a dog clicker and you click into the mic and that spikes the mic that sorry, that spikes the thing. So the editor can find out when to jump in. Cause otherwise people are like, why is he constantly clicking this thing? And it's cause I have to mark for the editor where I'm starting again. Um, now I do it a slightly different way that doesn't involve that. I just sort of re-record over myself with a series of keystrokes, but, but, um, doing the characters is the same and it's, it's fun. So yeah. Yeah. We'll have Go to on. link to that for sure. What's it like for you, Haley, hearing your work interpreted? Oh, well, it's pretty fantastic. Um, uh, I think very and right cinematically. So I love to see it performed. See it. See it's a movie for your ears. Uh, I can hear it perform, but I can see it. Um, so it's, it, it and, it, and like we've talked about, it's affected kind of the way that I write it. Um, and nothing, nothing else has happened that way for other books. So, um, I, it's great because it, it does add that, that dimension to the series, to the books that you can't get any other way, unless someone would love to produce these. So we're open to that. <laughs> <laughs> Come make the the scholar movie series. There or TV. I'm open for TV. Stars. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, Amazon. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Are there any stories from the booth, Joel, like flubs or humorous things that ended up on the cutting room floor that should be on some DVD extras somewhere? Um, there is no, not. Uh, there is. I have one horrifying story. Um. And it actually, it doesn't have to do with the Schuyler books, but I'll tell you because it's 
pretty darn funny. Um, you know, one thing about working with indie authors is that sometimes, sometimes uh, they don't invest in an editor uh, as they should. And if you ever want to be good to your narrator, hire a decent editor because your readers. <laughs> because oh my god, you'd be amazed that at the stuff that we have to figure out on the fly. But I was doing this one particular book, and it was so incongruously edited. Like sentences just went off. They, they didn't make sense. They didn't make grammatical sense. They ended somewhere they should have been. It was just, and I was exhausted and it was like hour seven and I was three quarters of the way through the book and I hit this page that was just like every sentence was a mess. And at one point I just said it to the mic, I can't fucking do this anymore. And it ended up, Rich did, Rich somehow missed it and didn't cut it out. Oh no! So it went it went to print <laughs> with me going, I can't fucking do this anymore. We we pulled it back, luckily. Um, oh, uh, that just and, shows you the author how how well they didn't proof their audio book either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, so so yeah, it missed it missed. It was really funny because we because we had. Beta read it on our end, beta listened on our end, and he had, but whatever. But that's the worst. That's the worst one that's ever happened to me. Um, and you know, the, the the lesson that every narrator learns is you have to read the whole book because I did once do an entire, I did once do about half of an entire book and then realized the character was supposed to be black um, because they didn't mention that until like page 134. Mm. And I went, oh shit. So. <laughs> So those are, you, you learn the ropes quickly. <laughs> so Haley, what's next for Skylar? Well, we have uh, the book called Stone Cold Fox, and that is hijinks on the high seas. So there is, uh, there's a cruise involved, um, but there's all kinds of other things that I can't talk about because it'll spoil you for crazy like a fox. But... Um, yeah, that's that's basically it. It's murder on the high seas, and um, the the SFC, the Scooby Gang, uh, do a little stowaway uh, trip on the boat to to look out for Skyler to make sure he's okay because there's a he's got a stalker. Uh -oh. I am that's I am correct in saying at some point someone is getting married. Yes, you 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 are correct. I I wonder who that could be. <laughs> Well, there are choices. I mean, there are there are a number of options. <laughs> yes. This so is true. this is true. So yes, Skyler's mom for what? <laughs> yeah, could be. Because <laughs> we're all anxious to see that. So um, um, yeah. Do you have an idea how how many books that there are for Skyler, or do they just keep rolling as long as people are picking them up? You know, I'm a big believer in having an endpoint in series. Uh, my other series. I know exactly when those end. I don't know exactly when this is going to end, but it will at some point. Um, but right now I'm still having fun writing them and people still seem to want them. So, uh, But I do want to end on a high because you don't want people to say, well, that's just a retread of the first three or something. Mm -hmm. So you don't want people to, to do that. You want people to love the book. So they will end at some point. Probably, I probably don't have very many more books coming I'm running out of titles for one, so <laughs> I feel like we have to at least get to Skylar adopting a baby, so it can be called Mother Foxer. 
Oh, <laughs> well, the goodness. next one after Stone Cold Fox is for Fox sake. So. For Fox sake. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Any date projections for when we get to see Stone Cold Fox? Um, in the spring. Okay. And there's a really fun contest that goes along with it, and it involves um, the the winning person. Uh, they get to use their name in the book. So their name, they will be a character in the book. There was some bitterness about that. I, I know. Well, you know, like eight okay. books later and I'm not in the damn book. Okay. You know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to get a dog and they're going to be named Joel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it's a wiener dog. All right. You just kill someone. I'll probably just be someone murdered. It'll just be the body. You'll How's be that? the. You'll be like the starring bit part on like you know the opening of like Law and Law Order, Order or CSI where you're the body <laughs> sprawled on the floor. The sheet. Yeah. That's right. So, Joel, what's up for you? I mean, obviously, Stone Cold Fox when that happens. But is there anything else we should be looking for for you in the uh, nearer future? I have, a, I have like a bucket of stuff coming out. Um, I've got a Renee K book that just came out. I've got another one that's coming out for Dream Spinner. Another, but the, the one that's out right now, literally just came out, is like "Don't Twunk with My Heart." It's Australian. Um, I'm doing the book I'm recording right now. I'm in love with. It's called "Lord Mouse" by Mason Thomas. I'm doing it for Dream Spinner. It's kind of like, um, it's very Game of Thrones. It's like sort of, um, if Tyrion Lannister was like a gay gun for high, sword for hire, it's so cool. Um, I really love it. It's great. Then I'm doing a Boston series by S.J. Himes called Necromancer's Dance and some stuff for Kim Fielding. There's a bunch coming up. So Busy guy. Yeah. He's a busy voice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what's the best way for folks to keep up with both of you online so they can keep find all the good stuff that's going on for the both of you? Well, Facebook is the place to find me because I can't get off of it. Um, so look for Haley Walsh or Skylar Fox, and that will get you there. And if and you can sign up for my street team. When the street team gets extra stuff, they get to have. Um, uh, sneak peeks at future books and all kinds of uh, neat stuff that I will mail you. So sign up for that. Excellent. What's the website? Sorry? What's the website? Well, this is just a street team. So if you go to my website, SkylarFoxMysteries.com, right. then you can sign up for the street team. Um, I'm on, I'm on Facebook too. Facebook is a good way uh, for me. Uh, either you can... You can Facebook friend me at Joel Leslie Frumpkin or Joel Leslie Narration. Um, and my website's joelleslienarration.com. Um, and one other thing we should, we should plug is my alter ego and Haley's alter ego have a, have a book out, another book out uh, that's called It's Though Heaven Fall. And it's a medieval, uh, it's a medieval mystery, uh, morality tale. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, and it's Westerson just, is my other name, Jerry, J-E-R-I. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's written by Jerry Westerson and, um, it's a, it's a standalone, but it's a great book. So if people want to hear me be my, my other self and her be her other self, it's a neat little strange crossover. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to link up to that, too, and, and send people that direction. And we should mention, because you guys are so generous, uh, there'll be a raffle copter in this episode to give five of our listeners the chance to pick up 
the first Skylar Fox book, Fox Tale, which Haley's holding up very nicely right there. Uh, so that'll run for the entire week that this episode is new, and uh, hopefully we'll bring some new people into the Skylar Fox universe. Yes, come to the fold. Join the SFP. It's a fun place to be. Well, thank you both so much for joining. This was a blast. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye. Hockey players Simon Roberts and Alex Miller never could have known that the moment they first kissed, they were embarking on the love of a lifetime. The Hat Trick box set is their love story, as told by Simon, beginning their senior year of high school, through college graduation, and beyond, from the insecurity of coming out to mentorship of gay youth. For Simon and Alex, it's always about love, family, and hockey. The box set includes three full-length novels and three short stories in one easy-to-download ebook. Get yours today at Amazon.com and other online retailers. So as we mentioned in the interview, uh, Haley and Joel have offered up some Audible codes. So five people are going to be able to win copies of the first Fox mystery book, Scholar Fox mystery book, called Foxtail. All you have to do is go to the Rafflecopter on episode 74 and enter, and you've got through the end of this week to do that. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, take advantage of that. Um, so... I think that's going to do it for this week. I think it will. Yeah. Coming up next week in episode number 75, uh, we're going to do a quick recap of our Dream Spinner Press weekend. Um, we'll also introduce you to our brand new contributor. And we're going to kick off another giveaway, our spring giveaway. Yes. And we're going to keep the subject of that one a secret till next week. Yeah. It's going to be really, really good, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited for next week. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> okay. Until next time, guys, keep reading, and we'll see you then. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 